You're in with the ghost of radio. Hello and welcome to episode 12, in which we explore our cauldron for another example of good or great or not good mid-century horror radio. Here's our cauldron. It's here for us, and what does it have to offer? We're really going to go down to the bottom here. All right, what are we pulling out? Okay, this is Across the River to Grandfather's House by Theater 5. Across the River to Grandfather's House. The show is Theater 5. It's nice to pull something out that isn't from the heavy hitters, the big names, Theater 5, not as well known as the others. So you go and listen. Find it on Relic Radio, Internet Archive, lots of places to look around. Across the river to Grandfather's house. Go listen. Come back. See you soon. All right, you're back, and I believe that you're happy. This is an episode that is uncanny from the word go, even though, as you know from listening, nothing extraordinary happens. No sound effects, no supernatural creature, no thrilling and anxiety-producing music. In fact, it's mostly just the minutes of a meeting, isn't it? The very official, very well-run, very formal minutes of a meeting. And that's what makes it so spooked out. This is a really good episode, and I'll admit, since I'm a ghost and I can't be held accountable, I have not listened to a lot of Theater 5. I found this episode first on Relic Radio, listened to it, thought it was great, but with my ghostly prejudices, I didn't want to listen more to a show from the 60s because that was generally a nadir for what was, at that point, old-time radio. You know, the heyday of radio really ran, really nationwide, ran from like the late 20s, kind of through the mid-50s, before radio started to be a real, also ran, compared with television, and rock and roll music and all of those things that are so bad. And so radio really gave up trying to offer lots of shows, like comedy shows and soap operas and horror shows on the radio, and it became more about just plain music or just plain news. But there were a few attempts to revive old-time radio in the 60s, and most of them were not really successful. You just, if you would like to see in a nutshell the changes in America between, let's say, the 1940s, early 50s, to just the early 60s, just listen to a radio show from 1949 and a radio show from 1964 Utterly, utterly different, much harder. A sense of kind of going through the motions. There doesn't feel to this ghost, when you listen to the 60s shows, like there's a lot of authentic, creative energy. They sound like they're going through the motions, or really, they just sound like they're trying to copy something. They sound like copies of an original You just get the sense of, at once, are we doing this right? Is this how it's supposed to be? And we're going to do things differently. We're not going to be like those old, worn-out horror shows. We're going to do something new. And it just, it rarely works out. 
That's my take, and I am your ghost, so I'm right. But here is this episode from Theater 5 that's really good, and perhaps it inspires this ghost to go and listen to some more of it. It ran on ABC very briefly. That's another trait of these shows from the 60s, very brief runs, because they generally weren't very good. Or they just weren't at that moment what people were looking for. When you do a revival, more time has to elapse. It has to really seem like recalling something unfamiliar and not rehashing something that's not interesting anymore, that's old. So this ran just from 1964 to 1965 on ABC. And what's interesting about it is, obviously there are only a few episodes, but many of them were written by Romeo Mueller, who is a name you might recognize. He was with Rankin Bass. He wrote the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Christmas show. He wrote Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Frosty the Snowman, and The Little Drummer Boy. So these wonderful and heartwarming Christmas shows were written by this guy who was working for Theater 5, which was a horror show earlier. He left Theater 5 to go to Rankin Bass. So he was a versatile guy. He did not write this episode, but well worth knowing. Okay, let's jump directly in. Theater 5 presents Across the River to Grandfather's House. (laughs) You know it's the 60s. There's your first clue that you're listening to a show from the 60s. Online, a lot of listeners complain about the music that it doesn't quite suit a horror show. I guess it doesn't, but what we are about to hear is indeed a horror show. And somehow, you know, I had no expectations going into this episode when I first heard it. I didn't know about Theater 5. I chose it simply because of the title, and I was a little turned off by the music. And then just from the moment it starts... You just have the sense that something is very wrong. There's a hectic kind of energy running underneath everything that tells you that the people you're listening to talk about the most mundane things have gone deeply mad and that everything they say is actually making them more insane. It's no longer an attempt after three years to keep a grip on their sanity All the things they do that are rules-based and very normal and saying please and saying thank you, all of that is to deepen their madness, not to keep it at bay. That's the corner they've turned from second one in this show. Well, dishes are all done. Oh, that's splendid, Jonas. Yes. Lulu, that was a capital supper. Why, thank you very much indeed, Ezra. Yes. Well, it's nearly 8 o'clock. Shall we start the meeting? Oh, yes, indeed. And uh, I believe it's my turn to be chairman, isn't it? Uh, No, mine, I think, Cousin Jonas. No, no, I believe you were chairman last night, Ezra. He's (laughs) right, Cousin Ezra. I was chairman the night before. I remember that very well because that was when you made an unnecessarily long speech and I had to bring you to order. Well, now, Lulu, I don't think it was an unnecessarily long speech. I had a theory to expound and I needed to take time for it. Oh, dear cousin, that's true in a way, but it was not a news theory. You'll have to admit that. We had all heard it before. Well, I don't see how we're going to get new theories. It's been five years. That's 365 nights times five. 
I know. But if we'll just bend our minds to it, I'm sure we'll find some delightfully new way of looking at the whole thing. Now, the main point is I am this evening's chairman. Isn't that correct? Yes, that is correct. I was mistaken. Yes. Very well, then. Let's let's take our seats. Mm -hmm. Now, the uh, meeting will please come to order. That knock on the door comes as a bit of a fright, even to the listener, because you are so immediately drawn deep, deep down into the pit of their mad, frenetic purpose. These people are driven by a purpose that is so crazy that when you hear that knock on the door, you have that real sense of, oh God, it's the outside world. Oh, the outside world is is attempting to break the surface here. And their response to the outside world is deeply chilling. What was that? Someone's at the door. No, it it can't be. No, no one's supposed to come here till the grocery boy delivers next Wednesday. No one's ever supposed to come here at night. I'm afraid. So am I. It's been five years since anybody came here at night. You don't suppose it's the sheriff? Well, if we couldn't solve it in five years... I'm afraid we're going to have to open that door. Yes. Yes, we'll have to open the door. You got your key, Lulu? Yes. Have you got your key, Ezra? Yes. Have you got your key, Jonas? Yes. Now, this isn't a trick that one of you is playing. No, I swear it. We're as frightened as you are, Jonas. All right. All right. Key's at the ready. No tricks now. No trying to escape. Lulu, unlock your lock first. Now you, Jonas. Your lock. All right, Ezra. Now you unlock your lock. I'm so scared. I think we all ought to stand back from the door. And then... We'll be sure none of us is trying to escape. Good idea. Good idea. Come on now. On tiptoes. All right now. One, two, three. Come, Come in. in. <gasps> oh. Well, Lulu. Why, why, it's Cousin Dan. Oh, wow. Them opening the door, deciding to open the door and unlocking it, you know, like it's, that door is a nuclear football for them. And when Dan appears, supposedly normal cousin Dan from the outside world, it's not a relief. Even Dan somehow is deeply unlikable. So far you haven't disliked the people you've met. You're just afraid of them. To this ghost, Dan is really unlikable. There's just something wrong about him. And you've listened to the episode, so it's not a spoil for me to say, I wonder if he did kill Grandfather. He, well, why is he there? He was in the Amazon. I just found out that I have an inheritance. No, none of that rings true. And his false, hale, and hearty manner when he first gets there just turns us off to Dan even more. So perhaps, perhaps, he's going to deserve what he gets. Though, like Agnes Moorhead's unlikable characters, 
this one, you feel even more perhaps the terror of what happens to him because you don't like him. And so you don't identify with him, but with his fear. And you immediately put yourself, a much more likable character, into Dan's place at the end. All the way through, you're disliking Dan and not really caring what happens to him until that very ending when suddenly it is you beaten on that door. So Dan begins his bullying, blustering to try to sort these people out and control them in some way, but oh, he does not know who he's up against. What I want to know is what's happening here. The taxi couldn't get into the drive. The weeds are over my head. And now I find you here with triple locks on the door. All of you seeming very strange. What's happened? Oh, we stopped taking care of the outside of the place the day after you left. But why? Say, wait a minute. Those windows are barred. Why? Oh, that's so that none of us can get out when the others aren't looking. Well, I should think that when anybody wanted to go out, he'd use the door. Uh, There are three locks on the door, and each of us has one key. You mean to say you're keeping each other prisoner here? Very keen of you, Dan. You hit the nail right on the head. Wow, that is just so scary. What's scary is, you know, these people are beyond pretending to themselves or to anybody else that they are doing anything but what they are doing, which is holding each other prisoner in a crazy, mad house forever for the rest of time. The way they have come to deal with their impossible problem is just to be satisfied that it's never going to be solved and that this is their life from now on. And it really makes you wonder just how purportedly normal these people ever were. Though it's more horrible if they were once normal people, as Dan describes them, that gives you a sense of just just how mad they have all become. And it's pretty frightening to think that that could be possible, even in a story. Why, the day I left, you, Lulu, were planning to get married. Ezra, you were just about to enter graduate school at Columbia to work towards your Ph.D. Mm-hmm. And Jonas, you told me yourself that you couldn't stay here at Grandfather's more than a day or two longer. Because back in your hometown, the store needed you. And now, five years later, you're still all here. Now, Dan, why don't you sit down at the kitchen table? Yes, do that, Dan. We were about to sit down here anyway and go over the whole thing ourselves. Yes, we do that every night. Have you done it every night for five years? Of course. Poor cousin Dan is disturbed about the way we're living. Dan, let us relieve your mind. Oh, we were a little unhappy about it at first ourselves, though, of course, we saw the necessity of it. But really, we like it now, don't we, Ezra? Don't we, Jonas? Oh, yes, indeed we do. We take great pleasure in each other's company. We've always liked each other, you know. Of course, you once again, you know this is true. They are completely contented with the terror. It's not that they don't feel it anymore. It's not that they don't know their situation is horrible. They have come to claim that as their own. And so it's people who are crazy, who know they are crazy, who believe now that it's okay to be crazy. And that is tough. One might even sympathize with someone as unlikable as Dan as he tries to deal with that. Mr. Chairman, our guest thinks we're all demented. Oh, no, no, it's, it's not that. Well, yes, it is, too. I don't understand why you're all keeping each other prisoner. And I, I, I want to... Uh, you want to get out of here? 
Well, I do have to go. I, I have this the date. The chair begs leave to doubt you. In any case, the chair insists that you question him. Oh, for heaven's sake. You can't get out, Cousin Dan, until we're prepared to let you out. What is this, anyway? I insist that you hear my alibi. Oh, all right. But then I'm going. Of course, then he is not going. And one of the beauties of this story, the way it's well-structured, is it's not at the very, very end when Dan's beating on the door that you realize he can't leave. We have all realized this from the moment they relocked that door. We all knew Dan was never going anywhere. So we are at once afraid of that all throughout, but also it comes with a brand new punch at the end when you really do hear him. Then it's even more powerful, so it mimics in a way the insanity. The insanity is always there at a low level, and then sometimes it comes out with a vengeance, and that's pretty scary. And so when the plot twist comes, you're surprised at first that they've never thought of this brand new theory before, But then, oh, then you realize this has been a theory, maybe the theory, all along in the background for these people. And they have just been a pack of spiders waiting for the fly that is Dan to finally, finally walk into their web. Mr. Chairman? Lulu? I have a brand new theory, one we've never heard before. Splendid. What is it? Cousin Dan did it. The only reason they couldn't advance this theory sooner was that Dan wasn't there, and that would be against the rules of order, to accuse someone who wasn't there to be questioned and to provide an alibi. This is powerfully done, and it starts moving us toward that conclusion that is at once not surprising and deeply frightening. Dan is at least as good a suspect as any of us. I think we can agree on that. I'm going to get out of here. Oh, no. You're a suspect now. You have to stay with us. What do you mean? For how long? Until the mystery is solved. But it'll never be solved. That's very likely true. Let me out of here. You'll love it here, Dan. Order, order. Let me out of here. You can't do this. I... I suppose we shall have to allow Dan a little latitude until he gets used to the fact that he's here for good. Well, let us go on with the meeting, shall we? Has anyone else any other theories to advance uh, this evening? Lulu? I haven't, Mr. Chairman, but I'm so glad Dan came. He's got such a good mind. In a year or so, when he calms down, I'm certain he'll advance some perfectly wonderful theories. What's more frightening? The way, I don't even remember which one of them says, oh no, you have to stay here with us. Somehow just adding with us is what makes it really scary. You have to stay here gives Dan some kind of latitude to remain separate or he's just in the house to say, you have to remain here with us. That's the most frightening thing, right? And then maybe it's the way they just keep talking while Dan pounds on the door, and the actor does a good job of crying, basically crying and screaming uh, to be saved. 
they just keep talking right over it, which gives you the sense, it makes you wonder if this isn't something that each of them went through at the start. That at the start, maybe one of them, maybe Jonas, maybe Ezra, maybe Lulu, went running and screaming and pounding at the door, and the others too didn't know what to do, so they just waited it out until that person gave up and came limping back. You sense... Uh, you just sense the progression of the madness. Or is it the way Lulu says, in a year or two, when Dan is settled down, like they are prepared to live with this person who is uh, just in the grips of terror and, and helpless. Oh my God, they're ready to torture this person for one or two years. Just their confident, horrible patience their assurance that he'll come around. It could take a year or two. Oh my Lord. You really need that blast of 60s music at the end to kind of bring you back from the terror in this story. And that super 60s outro really goes on almost as long as the story itself, or maybe it just feels that way. It sounds like a parody of 60s music. This is when we realized that a lot of music from the 60s really was kind of self parodying. Well, you have plenty of time to listen on your own, just like uh, the cousins. I think I will just trap you here to listen to the full outro of Theater 5. has been an ABC Radio Network production. Were you banging on the door and screaming and crying to be let out during that outro? I'm sorry. I think if you listen to it a hundred thousand more times, you won't feel that way anymore. So you could just listen to this episode over and over until you accepted it, or you can move on. One last nice little tie-in is that Lulu was played by Alice Ghostly who, like Agnes Moorhead, is probably best known to most people, if she is remembered at all, for being on the sitcom Bewitched, where she was the fumbling, dumb aunt, yeah, her, uh, the witch's aunt Esmeralda. So it's funny to hear her here in such a sadistic and crazy role. All right. That's it for Across the River to Grandfather's House. And I think we are all going to go off and listen to a little bit more Theater 5 and see if we end up enjoying ourselves being trapped within its walls. And maybe after a year or two, we won't want to listen to anything else. Until then, in the meantime, why don't you go visit a family member if you can? And don't be afraid if the taxi can't get up the driveway and you have to hack your way through the weeds up to the door. I'm sure if you hear fewer than three locks being turned, you'll be fine. And you'll be able to return here to your ghost next week. Until then, be happy with whatever makes you happy. And see you soon.